Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. In this Stick Together, we hear about a call for clean energy jobs in New South Wales after the defeat of the BHP Billiton Karuna coal plant for Liverpool Plains. Then we go to a dispute that is brewing down by the Yarra at Crown Casino and then to a dispute resolved successfully for the Victorian Allied Health Professionals. Finally, we'll go back to the back streets of Abbotsford, Melbourne for a large rally supporting the SAC CUB workers. But first, some workers' news. Construction sites are dangerous places. Union calls for the highest priority to OH&S has been proved again over the last few weeks. A 62-year-old construction worker from Sydney was killed on August 4th when he was crushed by a crane at the University of Canberra Hospital worksite. He was a union member and contractor for Brookfield Multiplex, the company designing and constructing the new hospital. Dean Hall from the CFMEU said the man died when a mobile crane rolled over while moving a large generator at a low height. Hall urged anyone who worked on the site or knew the worker to contact CFMEU, which provides a free confidential counselling service for members and non-members. 17-year-old Clive Norris died when a wall frame collapsed on him at an Adelaide building site on August the 10th. The young apprentice was not wearing a hard hat. It is not mandatory to wear hard hats on domestic sites. The Construction, Forestry, Mining and Energy Union official Dave Curran said the site was not subject to the same rules as large construction jobs. The union is calling for hard hats to be compulsory on domestic sites after the incident. On a lighter note, the film The Women Who Were Never There about the 1973 push by Women for Jobs at Rio Tinto in Port Kembla, which kicked off the Fight for Jobs for Women campaign, will be screening at Victoria's Trade Hall on August the 18th at 6.30pm. Often mining projects are sold as job creators, but when BHP Billiton was sold a mine exploration licence for $100 million for the Liverpool Plains in New South Wales the breadbasket of the state, it was a step too far. Even the 400 full-time jobs at peak production and up to 600 jobs during construction for VHP's Billiton's Karuna Coal Project was not enough in the long run. Last week it was announced that New South Wales was going to buy the licence back for $200 million, a profit for BHP without doing a thing. Despite the money loss, people in New South Wales are celebrating. I spoke to Green Senator Lee Rhiannon, who is now calling for job creation in the clean energy industries. When there was a Labor government, unfortunately, in New South Wales, and there was um, Mr McDonald, Ian McDonald, his name might even be known in Victoria, because he became quite notorious at our um, New South Wales ICAC, our corruption watchdog, for doing deals um, around mining issues. And we, I was in the New South Wales Parliament at the time and we were very suspicious of the arrangements made here because BHP Billiton paid $100 million for a coal exploration licence. 
Now, at the time, we couldn't find any licence that had ever of um, higher than a ten million dollars, and even that was high. And then, right next door, China Shenhua paid um, about two hundred million for a coal exploration licence. So there was a lot of suspicion about what the deal was because how the government presented it was, well, this is just exploration. There's nothing locked in. There, you know, we're not saying there's going to be a coal mine. But experience was showing that uh, once a coal exploration license was granted, it was the first stage of full-scale mining. So that was on the process side. And then you looked at then if you look at where they plan to mine, one of the most fertile areas in Australia and the world, like this most beautiful soil, rarely is there drought because there's such a continuous supply of water from aquifers in the surrounding hillside. Beautiful country. Um, very high level of agricultural productivity and this was going to be trashed by a coal mine so the Greens were angry, the community was angry, farmers were angry and the wind's fantastic. Now even though there's been a win the people of uh, New South Wales have to now pay BHP $200 million for the failed lease right? Yeah that's correct to buy back the coal exploration licence since with BHP Billiton and let's remember, BHP Billiton make their profits in tens of billions of dollars. You know, over a six-month period, their profit is often $10 billion. Now, I acknowledge that's around the world, but why should we be paying out the $200 million to buy back a coal exploration licence? You know, I certainly look fantastic win, and I'm celebrating like everyone else, but it again shows the breakdown and the... Um, the misuse of how mining is operating in this state. As a Green Senator, you're calling for the government to actually be investing in clean energy jobs. Yes, very much so. Because how this project was sold, because the government obviously knew from day one it was going to be controversial, so they did their usual thing, jobs, 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 mining equals jobs, and they came up with the promise of 400 full-time jobs at the peak of coal production and about up to 600 jobs during construction. Now, that's all gone now, and rightfully so. We shouldn't have coal mining, any new coal mines, any expansion of coal mines. But there is that promise still sitting there of all these full-time jobs. What the Greens are calling for is that we need to be expanding renewable energy, clean manufacturing, um, jobs in the service sector, and we need that transition plan put in place to ensure regional and rural areas are not robbed when we have this real corrupting aspect of how government policy plays out. The coal industry is now a dying industry. A responsible government would be um, working on a planned transition and we need to be putting pressure on our government to state and federal to do that. Uh, well, tonight Crown Casino members are getting ready to rally at Crown and what they're saying is it's time to respect our weekend work. Uh, if you work at Crown Casino, you're probably going to be working about 40 weekends a year. Uh, and that means that you're missing out on time with family and friends. You're missing out on really important milestones uh, in your life, in the life of your friends and family. Uh, so today people are saying to Crown, we just want to be rewarded for the work we do on weekends. Now they've been uh, talking about increasing the uh, hourly rate, but that's not sufficient, is it? Uh, 
Crown has put a pay offer on the table uh, and that's currently uh, at just over 3% uh, and discussions about a fair pay rise are continuing but the members feel that the casino is just not listening to them when it comes to the issue of weekend work uh, and that's the real burning issue at the casino because you know, when you are giving up 40 weekends a year, you want to see some recognition for that in your pay packet. Oh, we're here just to get a fair pay. We deserve, we deserve. We work hard, we work on weekends. Uh, we don't take day off because we're not allowed to, uh, depending on roster. And a lot of people, I haven't missed yet, but a lot of people have missed out uh, significant events in their life. Some has missed out their friends' birthdays, family birthdays, funerals and things like that. And we give our 100%, so we deserve 100% as well in the return. Uh, better wages and conditions, uh, penalties for working weekend shifts because of we spend time away from our families. And, uh, and you brought your family here today? Yes. Yes, most definitely. They've come to support Papa. You know, it's time for Crown to um, pass on some of their uh, wealth for the sacrifices that we make. We're the ones that are making the money for our employer. Crown made a profit of how much? 500 and 660. 660 million last year, and they're not prepared to give anything over the weekend rates. So when a organisation makes that much money, I think uh, staff members are entitled to get something. This, this is our thought, and we feel really, uh, you know, pissed off about the thing. You know, sorry, the expression of English, but you know. Yeah, I would really want to add up also that we don't begrudge Crown making that money. It's a huge investment, and we wanted them to make as much as possible. But we would just to have want to have a very little share of it. I mean, two dollars extra an hour for working nights—that that is not much. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Demonstration? Yeah, I am, yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, it's important, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we, I think we, we, we should protect our right for the weekend, at least. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think, yeah. faces out here, here to support us and our claim. So we give up our weekends with our families and our friends to work here, okay? And it's not fair when we do not get our recognition that we deserve. We want our fair pay rates and our weekend night shift allowance, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4th of August was a red-letter day for Victorian allied health professionals. 600 members of the VAHPA, the Victorian Allied Health Professionals Association, a subsection of the HSU, rallied together to hear that they had been successful in getting changes to their EBA. Stick Together spoke to VAHPA Secretary Craig McGregor about the win. Yeah, look, we'd been in negotiations with the government and the hospitals for really a year, a bit over. We pretty much had a deal done, except for a couple of outstanding issues that um, we thought were going to be damaging to long-term viability of allied health. And so we weren't prepared to let go of those issues. And they went to patient safety, really. So to us, they were really important. Wages were done. It wasn't about money. Um, And so we uh, had late-night negotiations the night before. And the night of the third, we had another meeting the morning of the 4th and then um, we had a follow-up meeting at about, well really it finalised an hour before our stop work and our um, our mass meeting at the Athenaeum and basically they came to their senses and um, said okay we will have senior people do this work and you know I think it was a, it was a good outcome. So. You, you got a really good outcome didn't you? There's a whole range of things, raft of things that uh, are now going to be included in your EBA. Can you talk to some of those issues? Well, our current EBA um, is a disaster, to be perfectly frank, and so that really goes to the leadership of Cathy Jackson and, and what she did over a long period of time. And I don't think personally, as an allied health professional, that our people were looked after for you know, really a decade or so. Um, so there's a lot of work to make up, a lot of ground to make up, particularly with regards to wages, but conditions as well. So we've, we now have, um, of course, family and domestic violence, which you can say the Andrews government's been very supportive of, but also paid super on parental leave. So some of these gender equity issues as well we now have in the EA. Also, the part-time workers can get some uh, leave for study. Well, that's right. So the part-time workers have been a bit uh, excluded from some of the benefits that the full-time workers have had over many years. So now they are entitled to all of the benefits. And, you know, these are necessary things around um, uh, professional development and improving your competencies and skilling up. So, you know, there's no less need for part-timers to do this than for full-timers. They've just been excluded and have had to carry the costs themselves. So that's a really good uh, outcome for the part-timers. And portable superannuation. Well, yeah, the superannuation scenario has always there's always been portability within the sector there, but we've we've managed to bring it down from 15 years to 10 years and just make it a bit more flexible, so people can take it in smaller chunks. Which, of course, people with kids, etc., need to do that these days because you just don't get enough annual leave to cover your school holidays, etc. So yeah. Really so what you're saying is it's uh, more realistic uh, in relation to how people actually work. Well, that's right. It just suits the contemporary environment a lot better, you know. So we think that'll be really beneficial. Now, you had you were threatening to take um, industrial action, but uh, it wasn't required. Well, look, we took a period of industrial action on the 30th of June, so we had a half-day stoppage then, um, and we'd notified of a half-day stoppage on the 4th of August. Um, but when we got the deal done that morning, uh, it, it was a paid meeting. But of course, we were prepared to um, take stop work action then and ramp it up. Uh, I'm going. So. Oh, actually, there was one other thing, which was uh, a clause in it that, that states the importance of unions. Well, that's right. For the first time, really, we have some support. And, you know, I, I, this is fantastic. We now have training for people, so grievances can be managed better. And, you know, uh, support for unions, I think, the Andrews government recognises is a really important thing. So, you know, I'll take my hat off to them on that level. They've been supportive of that. So what do you have to do now? There's a bit of hard work to be done, right? Well, we've got to uh, iron out all the wrinkles in the thing. I mean, because we've overhauled the entire agreement, so you know that's that's a massive task. And there's, 
some referencing to do and all of that kind of uh, basic stuff. Then we obviously have to put it out to the membership for formal uh, approval under the, uh, the registration, uh, under the Act, and, and, yeah, um, and that will take another couple of weeks. So I reckon we'll get it done by probably the end of September, and then it'll come into our force. And then, of course, it, it sees a massive shift in the way Allied Health is organised. So that will take a lot of work on the ground to, to roll that out. And I'm actually talking to you down at uh, Southampton Crescent in Abbotsford because your people have come down to support the CUB workers. Yep, no, that's right. Um, We believe in solidarity across the board and the way these workers are being treated is absolutely disgraceful. So we'll do all we can to support them and uh, see if we can get some of our members to raise some money for them and... You know, it's hard when you're out there and your wage isn't coming in, you've got a family and a mortgage, etc. You know, so we believe we need to support these people. The campaign to get the CUB workers who have been sacked and told they can reapply for their jobs at 65% less pay reached its ninth week with a large rally of workers in Southampton Crescent, Abbotsford, on Thursday the 11th. We were there. I'm... The Federal Member for Bendigo, I'm the newly appointed Shadow Assistant Minister for Workplace Relations. I'm also a really proud unionist and a really proud United Voice member. I used to support cleaners, I was a cleaner myself. I used to say to them when they said, can we really win? Can we really win job security? We'd always talk about CUB. We talk about the strength of this site and how joining the union, standing together, you could have the job security and the working conditions of CUB. CUB is the holy grail. It was the holy grail that we hold up to working people all over Victoria and all over Australia. For hundreds, for over a hundred years, it's been a strong site that stood together. And to stand here today to stand and say, I'm with you, CUB 55, is to say that this isn't just a fight for you. This is a fight for job security, for every single worker in our country. Because if the holy grail of unionism, if the holy grail of job security and working conditions is under threat, then who is next? How does a cleaner have a chance? How does a guard have a chance? How does a teacher have a chance? If we had big bosses and big business coming after skilled workers who are part of a union who's been here for a hundred years. You are important, not just because you stand here fighting for your job and your job security, but because you stand here fighting for every single Australian worker in this country. And you've got to stand up and fight back and bring the nation with you. To the CUB 55 and to your families, good on you for standing up. We stand with you. And never let the Labor Party forget the industrial, uh, the importance of the industrial movement. For as long as we've had a site here and a union here, you are founding members of the Australian Labor Party. The Labor Party is your party. Make sure that people like me continue to stand up at rallies and continue to voice your concerns in our federal parliament. While this is an industrial fight, we need to make it a political fight. We need to get laws in place that stand to protect workers so you don't have to be out on picket lines for so long. 
We need to make sure we see change in this country that brings about fair rights for working people. Well, our next speaker doesn't need much of an introduction. Come up here, David. Come on. I think about the Patrick's dispute back in 98 and those events where they thought those workers had been done over. Do you remember Reith and Howe and all those people slapping each other on the back and laughing about how they'd stolen Australian jobs and replaced them with scabs and how jubilant they were? Well, those workers, every one of them walked back through the gate because we stuck together. And one thing we know in the trade union movement in Australia, in Victoria, in Melbourne, is we know how to stick together and fight and win. You see, now these workers are members of the AMWU and ETU. United Voice have got a lot of members, hard-working people in there too. CFMEU's got members that work in this place. Proud trade unionists, good trade unionists. And you know what? The workers who've had their jobs taken away, the fitters, electricians, AMW, ETU, they're never going to be replaced by scabs. You're not going to find a scab that can do for the company what they can do, their skill, their passion, their integrity. There's no integrity in a scab, let me tell you. And if they think that they're going to break this group and they're going to break the trade union movement here by these tactics, I think they've got it sadly wrong. Malcolm Turnbull just got back. He got back by one seat. I didn't hear him get up and say at the election, we vow to cut workers' pay by 63%. That's our election promise. Anyone hear that? No. But it's not just here. Over in Western Australia in Collie, they're doing it to coal miners. They're doing it to AMWU, ETU members over there too. Had their agreements terminated. Massive pay cuts. Pay cuts back to poverty. And it's happening and it's breaking out and the attack will not stop. Now they're only hanging on by one seat. And one thing we just learned out of that federal election, we nearly got them. They are gettable. As they wheel their agenda out to take away our job security, to cut our wages, to take away your internationally recognised right to belong to and be recognised by a union, they need to know we'll stand, we'll fight and we'll beat them. The CFMEU Construction Division National Executive has been meeting in Melbourne today. A couple of weeks ago I was up in Brisbane, we had 300 construction and general delegates at their delegate convention up there. This issue came up, unanimous support at that point and they're raising money. Today, we had the leadership of the construction division from all over Australia in Melbourne and we talked about this and we reckon we've got to help you win this because your fight's our fight. So CFMEU Construction will be putting $50,000 towards this dispute. Please make welcome Conrad Christy Kane. Brothers and sisters, on behalf of my National Executive, on behalf of all the branches around Australia, we bring solidarity to this picket or to this gathering today. I wouldn't want to be anywhere in this country other than here 
with you today. I want to say this. I want to thank you, thank you, and thank you again, because I want to take you back to 98, to 1998. For the older members who understand on the docks, and there's plenty of them here today, for them members on the wharfs of Patrick's, let me tell you this. Workers here and in the past of the particular unions and certainly the CFMEU, metal workers and ETU, plumbers and blue collar unions, they walk off the jobs at the expense of losing their own job to fight for Warfie's jobs and the right to work on the docks and to stop the anti-unionism, anti-worker that Corrigan, Reith and Howard produced. And I've got to say, since then, 18 years later, we are back in that gate and we are 100% union because of you people here today. Yeah. And I'll tell you what's going on in the real world out there. And it's not dissimilar to here in Collie in the mines over in the west coast 45 percent reduction in wages 45 percent here 65 percent we've seen cash put into power all around 103 commissioners all around this country why because they're passing these laws in the commission now we have to be industrially strong, politically strong, and morally strong. And I've got to tell you, the MUA have moved around this country. And I hope you're listening to a QBA. South Africans, I hope there's none here today, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I hope you're listening. Because this dispute is going to be won. It's going to be won by the union movement. It's not only for the 55 workers and their families, it's for every Australian, every Australian in this country who has a right to have decent wages and conditions, who has a right to work in decent conditions of employment on union rates of pay. And so, CUB, and I've got to say, anyone else that wants to come with him, you picked the wrong blue, because we're right behind this and we're going to support them. That's it for Stick Together. Thanks to Senator Lee Rhiannon, United Voice members Craig McGregor, Christy Kane and other speakers from the CUB rally. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.